podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. This episode of the FYP podcast is dedicated to the memory of Brendan Nye. Yesterday we heard the sad news that Brendan a dedicated, joyful and much-loved Palace fan, passed away after a brief battle with brain cancer. Brendan was a huge part of the Palace community and travelled to many games, home and away, and absolutely adored the club. Our thoughts are with his brother Matt, his family and friends, and we dedicate this podcast to his memory. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan podcast. Yay! Yay! Pod, pod, pod. pod European pod, tour. Here we go. It's, it's pod 361 in the week that Palace scored their most goals in a game away from home ever after two defeats we should have won without scoring. This club is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of weird... In a good way. James Endergott is here. Hello to you. <laughs> See you. Bye. <laughs> and great to be here. Actually, JD, great to be here. Um, what a what a what a wonderful occasion it is. A five a five one victory. Ben Ben Teke got scoring two goals. The Christmas miracle has happened already. Indeed. Fantastic. Indeed. We'll be talking more about that and of course about uh, Big Ben as well. Uh, Kevin Day is also here. Hello to you. Hello there. How are you? Oh, good. Very good. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, as, as somebody said yesterday, just when you thought 2020 couldn't be the weirdest year ever. Benteke scored two goals. <laughs> One of which was an accident, I'm fairly certain, but there you go, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, we all wanted it, and now it's happened, so we've got to deal with it. Uh, and completing the team this week, debuting on the FYP podcast, it's an FYP writer who's appeared on Match of the Day 2 and lots of opposition club podcasts where he bigs us up massively. It's the one and only Jack Pierce. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, JD. Thank you. Very excited to be here and um, chuffed the boys could do me a favour yesterday by making this one a little easier than maybe the Burnley or Newcastle post-match pod. So, uh, yeah, here in good spirit. Yes, they did you proud. They did you proud. Someone else that's done us proud is our random patron this week. So can I get a drum roll, please? <laughs> that's a long drum roll. Um, it's Mr. Charlie Sullivan. Hey, hi Charlie. Hi Charlie. Who I randomly bumped into on the way to Spurs last season. Absolutely top man. Uh, And we'll be previewing the Spurs game later on, of course, in part three. And you can join our patron like Charlie and get all the rewards that entails, like the post-match podcast, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only WhatsApp club, which was a happy place indeed this weekend, at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Now, Kevin. Yes. Would you put your mortgage on Palace playing better with Wilfred Zaha in the side? 
Yeah, I've already lost it three times that mortgage on silly bets, which I regretted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you well know. Yes, of course, it's it's a constant source of debate on this pod, isn't it? The, the figures are shameful when he's when he's not playing. Um, I will come back to first to my theory last week that Roy Hodgson is gaslighting us. Right. I said this. I said this after the pod last week. Oh, Jay, Ender's Christmas tree just appeared. I know that's right. I, I just put it there for you. Oh, I was really because, just. just you, I, I know how much you love Christmas. Yeah, yeah, you know how I get distracted uh, by twinkly lights. That's lovely. I know, <laughs> Kevin, the reason I <laughs> asked you about the uh, mortgage is because I am trying to do the advert for this week's podcast. Oh, fair um, enough. I see. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just should have told you that. Before. You probably should have told me that. Yeah, I probably yeah. should have done because honestly, when I mentioned mortgages, this is seamless. This is absolutely seamless. Classic. When we mention mortgages, it's, of no, I think it must be Jack's fault. Jack's never been on the pod before. It's always wrong like clockwork. Every pod is seamless, lads. <laughs> when we talk about mortgages, of course, we're referring to the one and only Eternity Home Finance, a Croydon-based palace-supporting, family-run mortgage and protection advisors. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Um, now, Kevin, I do JD, wanna... does, does it not worry you that your questions are so random every week that it didn't occur to any of us <laughs> that that wasn't just a normal random question like that you started the pod with? I like to keep things fresh. I like to keep it, you know, so we never know what's going to happen. That's the spirit of the podcast. Um, I do want to talk about Wilf, obviously, later on. It is his first game back since uh, the Burnley in the Newcastle game. But, Kevin, really, the highlight this week and the main talking point is Christian Benteke, or as I've dubbed it, the Big Ben Restoration Project. Because nice. Benteke scored two goals. I would say two very well-taken goals. Yeah, Enders well. likes that, because the Big Ben Restoration Project sounds like a 70s jazz combo, doesn't it? Yeah, and they were really good as well. Yeah, I bet. That's that Christmas tree. Really it's a proper jazz Christmas tree. Do you know what it's... I would say? <laughs> <laughs> Again, we talked about Roy Hodgson gaslighting us all last week, so we don't know what day of the week it is, basically, because we can't predict what we're going to do any given moment I think the highlight of the game for me actually was the entire second half displayed to be perfectly honest mm. and Benteke was the very much the bonus the icing on the cake and you only had to see this from the second goal what confidence he got from the from the first one because yeah. the first one basically that's how sort of things happen quite I'm fairly sure his eyes were closed when he went into to hit that, it hit. It somehow, as Ed said, is a, a ball that he should have gone for with his foot. He decided to to go for a half diving header. It hit the top of his head and it went in, and that's what he wanted. But if he hadn't scored, it, I, he, I think he still would have had a, a really good game. I thought he played really well the whole game yesterday, and the goals were. were but, that, but that second goal, man alive, he wouldn't have got near that in the past two and a half seasons. The the dummy from, uh, and you know, we talked before about maybe a relationship, a partnership with him and, uh, and his Belgian friend up front. And the dummy was fantastic. The control was brilliant. The turn and shot was really good, but I thought the whole of the second half was a, a masterclass in how to play against 10 men, actually. Mm. And, and, Which doesn't you know, feel very palace, does it? Well, it doesn't, because I think people overlook the fact we're not a team that's used to possession for a start off. Even even under Roy, our, our you know possession stats tend to be around thirty five, forty percent. But so we're not a team that's used to having the ball and being comfortable with it. Uh, but I thought some of the combination plan Roy hinted afterwards that they'd been working on combinations with that team. So presumably he decided very early on that Benteke was playing, 
and some of the combination play up front was was great. And yeah, the first goal, sorry, the second goal, Wolf's goal, we had seven players in the box, mm. which is which is fantastic. I thought the whole performance was 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 really really good. And I think we would have won regardless of whether West Brom were down to ten men or not. To be perfectly honest, I will ask you about that later. His Belgian friend sounds a little bit like you're in the sort of Belgian Parliament and referring. It does to sound a little bit like that. <laughs> Speaking and speaking of those combos yeah. up front, obviously yeah. Benteke starting was the um, was, was the headline, shock. and we yeah. heard from previous pods about how he sort of had done well off the bench, but maybe deserved a start. Um, at Dalzario, hi, hi, at um, has said <laughs> that's just his Twitter handle. Is anyway um, has said um, has Roy finally found the right combination in attack? Eze, Wolf, Benteke, all sensational. It did feel a little bit like it was sort of clicking with that combo, didn't it? It did, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, did he choose Benteke because they've got quite big centre-backs? Yeah. And I think that was the reason why he chose him. And um, it obviously paid off. Um, Roy's decisions don't often pay off. I just think it just is, I think it's just one of those days where it all clicked. Um, I, I, I think we've, we've, we've always threatened to beat a team by this margin for a while, really. And and we've been saying quite a lot on this of this season that the, that the team is, you know, we've got a good bench now. We can chop and change as games come up. And I just think, I just think as well as games... Has he, he gone jazzy or is he frozen? He's gone very jazzy. Yeah. Uh, he has frozen. I've gone jazz. Oh, he's Have I frozen? Okay. You're, frozen. you're back, you're back. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. I froze. Boop, 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 boop. Um, Eze for me. I was just. I was just saying that Eze for me was uh, the real plus point of the whole yeah. game because yeah, yeah. he's just he's just getting better and better and better. And you know, it's almost like I'm now starting to get worried that he might not be here next season. <laughs> I know that's a very typical James, <laughs> yeah. typical Palace thing to say, but he's so good. He could just get poached by one of the big boys. I mean, he really ran that midfield, and he's he's the player we've been looking for. And with him on song, with Wilf playing great as well, and that gives all the gives all the ammunition to Christian to go ahead and do what he did. And I I, I think that header was quite. He was in the right place. He could easily have not gone in, but I think Kev's right. I think he had the confidence anyway. He was playing so well. He looks really fit. It, it looks like a racehorse at the moment. Amazing. <laughs> Um, well, look, we've had so many questions about Benteke. Ben Hook says, Benteke scoring a brace, is this 2017? <laughs> Battle Johnny says, should we be worried about Benteke? Might get picked up by Real Madrid in January. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got here one from Anna Mordrell here. I'll go to you, Jack, for this one. Benteke to start every game from now on. He was excellent yesterday. P.S. Love the pod. Thank you very much, Anna. Um, where does it leave Benteke in the sort of pecking order now then? Uh, he starts next week for, for sure. And then I think it's his place to lose. I think he was absolutely outstanding yesterday. Um, just to take a point that Kevin made there, just I don't think he scores that second goal without scoring his first. And an example of why I think that is the in the Burnley game with a couple of minutes to go, he had the ball played through to him and he you know, should have hit it on his left foot and didn't. And it bundled through to the goalkeeper. And that's just the type of chance. I, I watched it again this morning and it's a really sharp finish, that second one. Like That's a proper good striker's goal. It's lovely interplay with, with Klein playing the ball across and then Batshuayi, you know, with the clever dummy. But the finish itself is is top rate. And um, yeah, I think it's his place to lose. And um, he showed some promise against the, against Newcastle when he came on. You know, we obviously played to his strengths and it wasn't necessarily his fault that we ended up losing 2-0. So I was glad that Roy started him. And I, yeah, I was really impressed with him yesterday. And he, he did show glimmers of his, you know, previous goal scoring best. Um, but also as... 
as both Kevin and uh, James have said, it was a really good performance. And he does look fit. He's tracking back. He's getting in. You know, if the ball's lost, he's often one of the first ones to track back, and that's really important from a from a from a striker. Um, and you know, there was a lovely moment when he scored that that first one, which you know could be argued fell off him rather than you know intentional <laughs> score. And uh, you know, Roy and Ray are you know dancing down the touchline when that yeah. one. And I think they, I think they've invested a lot of time and emotion into the you know the big Ben restoration, as as JD called it. And um, I think they'll be as chuffed as anyone that he's bagged um, one, let alone two goals. And that hopefully will breed some confidence. There's, it's only going to be a positive for Palace if we have a you know a, a proper striker up top you know if we if we have him firing then you know we're only going to be a better side for it so um yeah very pleased for him and, and pleased for Palace we all said last week JD on the pod the really gloomy post Newcastle pod that we thought Benteke might start but it would be in a kind of proper old-fashioned 4-4-2 with maybe back Choi playing off him and it was it was very different to that and soon as it's interesting what um Ender says about playing him against big centre-backs because West Brom played with the three centre-backs and soon as afterwards highlighted first of all he really sang Benteke's praises as a player in general and then afterwards highlighted the way that Benteke had worked the outside centre-backs was always looking to go around the shoulder which was really interesting analysis so it wasn't just a big sort of target man lump it to to Benteke he was what we argued for for several weeks now that he was a real focal point of the attack and as and as Ender says with Zahar and Eze in particular buzzing off him and, and Eze I've not seen a Palace midfield player it reminded me of, of Johnny Williams I've not it's probably Johnny Williams is the last player I've seen driving at the centre-backs at the heart of a, a an opposition defence like that and the, it's such a shame that Wilf, Wilf, Wilf didn't nick the second goal off him but that that one-two that he played again with Benteke yeah. that deserved a goal from Eze and I, again I thought with, with Klein getting forward Van Arnholt in particular getting forward some of the link-up play up front was, was great and Eze they didn't know what to do with Eze because he just you, you, every time you look up he was somewhere different but every time he got the ball he looked his first touch was, was positive was forward and Wilf just looked regardless of the fact he looked furious when he scored his first goal I don't know, I don't know why he does that he's, but he, he looked like he was he looked like he was enjoying himself and I, I thought I thought right from the start we looked like we had we had the measure of West Brom to be honest which in that first five six minutes which is why I think we would we would have beaten them and and also when you know the fact they're down to 10 men it's kind of neither here nor there because they're not down to 10 men when they're defending yeah. what that means is they're short of a striker or they're short of an attacking midfield player they're still they're still packing their defence mm. they were still getting numbers behind the ball and it was still as we've seen before in similar situations it's still difficult to break a team down on it. And we did it. I, I, it was like watching a different team because we did it with ease. It was like it, it yeah. was like a cup game against a, a League One, League Two team. It was like it you was knew fun. we were going to score again. You, you know, you guys talking there about Benteke and confidence and we said for a long time he just needs a couple of goals or one goal and a bit of confidence and he'll become a different player. <coughs> and he did within 10 minutes. of you yeah. know. And I think Palace looked confident as well in that second half. As you say, Kevin, it was a bit like a sort of an FA Cup third round game. We just ooze confidence. It's amazing what a transition that makes to a team like Palace. And as you say, I mean, Eze is an absolute pleasure to watch. I mean, the way he glides past defenders is just, it's an absolute joy to behold. Um, but it, well, actually, we will go on to the red card in a minute. Let me do the last couple of Benteke things, but we will go on to the red card because we have to acknowledge they were down to 10 men. Um, Waggers 66 has come up with an interesting theory. He says, is the following mathematical formula valid? Benteke joined us in 2017, wore the number 20, scored seven... Sorry, Benteke joined us in 2017, <laughs> wore the number 17, 
scored 17 goals. In 2020, he wears 20. Therefore, he will score 20. Could the distinguished panel validate this theory and show their workings in the margin, please? Uh, no, I, I do know at which angle we have turned the corner, though. Oh, no. Well, that's basically every question. In I could work that out. <laughs> I, I, uh, I had the fortune to see that question earlier, and I did a bit of initial research, and I, I can show my working. I think it's a proven mathematical theory, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> when, when, when Christian Benteke played for Liverpool, he wore number nine. How many goals did he score that season? Nine. It's Whoa. a pattern. You know, wow. there's, yeah. there's, an, there's an emerging pattern. I would just be done with it and put him in the 99 now. <laughs> over and done with. You know, tell the club he didn't wear the number two last season or number three. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Uh, But in terms of uh, you know a mathematical theory, there is some hope at least in that he might get closer to twenty than two at least this season. Well, it would be lovely, wouldn't it? And you know, we've missed a goal scorer that scores even double up top. So that would be lovely. We've got Wilf. Wilf's going to get Wilf ten. Wilf's got seven goals already this season, which is fantastic. But and if Benteke finds a bit of form, then he might have two strikers in double figures, and that'd be this. You know, that'd be a whole new world for Palace. I mean, we we never have that up front. Certainly not in the Premier League. Final question on Benteke then, before we move on to the red card from Chris K. Hi Chris. Hi Chris. He's talking about goals in in general. How many more Benteke goals this season for Kevin Day to swim naked across Thornton Heath (laughs) Park? Do you know what? You'd be, you'd be Can we amazed. say 50, please? <laughs> I don't want to see that. I'm going to go one then. Just, no, just, no, no. You'd be, you'd be, but, you'd be, but you know what? It'll be fine because he isn't going to score another goal, is he? Come on. <laughs> come on. You'll be amazed how many times I've been asked that question. Well, that's why it's so difficult, JD. You know, because that original question that I think you asked Jack about, the or Enders about the combination, is this the combination finally? We've we've had that conversation mainly about the midfield combination, but we've had that conversation about a different pair of players or a different trio of players in midfield after virtually every game. Um, and I'd be interested to see because the Tottenham game, as we'll talk about later, you've got two teams at the moment who, who aren't naturally good at going forward, don't particularly want to do it. So it might be that he changes it. I just think whoever plays around Benteke, it's just brilliant that he's emerged again as an option up front and and it's you could tell how much the rest of the team like him as Jack alluded to they, they were so pleased yeah. for him when he scored yeah. yeah and and you could see him you could see him almost visibly lift he, he almost didn't know how to celebrate it's almost like now what do I do <laughs> he did that kind of strange oh, duck walk weird. but all the yeah that sort of strange walk but, but all the all the players rushed to him you could see how delighted they were for him and again it's another of the reasons I love Eze I've never seen a Palace player play with such a big smile on his face for yeah. for years and as a fan that sort of thing kind of communicates it kind of rubs off you kind of because we were saying last week that there was a lot of unfair pressure on him and mm. and you suddenly you see a player and you think this is great he plays for us yeah that's fantastic and he, he clearly wants to play for us which which Enders highlighted right from the very start Enders identified that from his very first kick against Southampton yeah. he's a he's a kid who loves seems to love <laughs> playing for Palace yeah he's an absolute pleasure to watch and yeah I, you know, I can't begin to carry on about he's one of the most exciting players I've seen in a long long time in a Palace shirt and it's just so great and he just he just plays with such joy and such freedom and he's constantly pushing forward and it's and it's great I mean if he was on any of the team I'd want him in my team I'm just glad he's in my team I agree I I think that's the key with him and and what was fantastic yes just linking it to Benteke as well the the Benteke's first goal you know we've scored the first in the second half so the two went up and you know we've We've got that first goal, which was the big concern. When then we played carefully with the ball. And then as they got the ball about five yards inside their half, 
And it was as though he just decided we were going to go and score a goal. He yeah. <laughs> played a beautiful yeah. ball at a lovely pace forward. And it ended up with, um, with Van Arnholt breaking to the byline and putting it across with Benteke. But it was Eze's you know, initiative and the weight of his pass, which kind of gave the pace to the move. And once he made that pass, PBA was off. Benteke was making moves in the middle. And it's, you know, the true definition of a playmaker. And, you know, if, if Eze is our playmaker, then I don't think, you know, 16 million is going to seem a lot of money come, yeah. you know, a couple of seasons. And I think it already is looking a very shrewd investment, you know, yeah, to, the, to the point where perhaps his, his value is now beyond that 16 million. So, um, yeah, really impressed, with, yeah. really impressed with him yesterday. And um, he, he is certainly Premier League quality. And he's, show, he's starting to show that now in, in every game. But yesterday... He, he dominated um, our possession of the football, which was great to see. And by doing that, it takes a pressure off Wilf. I think the comparison to Wilf last week felt to me quite a lazy comparison, as in he was going to replace Wilf. To me, he's a very different player to Wilf, and he's almost perhaps not the same quality yet, but he's he's more familiar to someone like Grealish in that he, you know, he drives the team forward, as you both said, in terms of, you know, running at centre-halves, running at defenders, and which, you know, leads to chances being created. And then, um, yeah, he's he's top rate. He's he's great. He's really good. Also, I'm going to vote for White Sox every week. I think they look really natty. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? Yeah, the well, Hillsborough 2010 game. Yeah. We wore the same yeah, yeah. combination oh, yeah. there. Yeah. So, and that worked out all right. So, I don't uh, think my heart rate quite got to that level, though. <laughs> yeah, it's slightly less emotional. <laughs> I think I felt a little bit more relaxed during that one. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the red card then, because obviously it was a big moment in the game. Daniel J. Edwards. Hi, Daniel. Says, Hi, Daniel. I thought until the dodgy sending <laughs> off, West Brom looked the better side, and our defence was a shambles. Do you think the red card and the scoreline covered a multitude of sins? Kevin, first of all, your thoughts on the red, because a lot of people said it was soft. And do you think it was the tipping point? I'd... You can argue that we West Brom, having just scored, were, were getting on. I think I don't think they were getting on top. I think they were getting on to parity. But the second half was was a completely different issue. You, you, you know, whatever we would, if we were struggling, and I don't think we were at the end of the first half. That was sorted out at half time, and we were just so much superior in the second half. I have to say, watching it in real time, I thought it was a red card. I, I thought I thought something had happened. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested because I thought that Bilic was going to be doing his nut afterwards. But Bilic said, had a go at the player. Bilic said he gave the referee... Oh, yep, yeah, Bilic said he gave the referee a decision to make. I was quite cross with Jermaine Jenis and uh, Ian Wright on Match of the Day 2 last night who said that um, Van Arnold bought it by screaming. Uh, but Van Arnold didn't go down. Van Arnold didn't didn't look for that. Palace players yeah. didn't surround the referee. They weren't getting in the ref's face saying that's a red card, but he clearly kicks out at him and he clearly catches Van Arnold on the on the side. There's a little yelp for Van Arnold as, as his studs catch him on the side. F- the Football League started in 1888 and for every season since 1888 until last year, that wasn't a red card. But with VAR, this is what Billich said afterwards, the players know VAR's there. They know that if they do anything remotely yeah. like that, it will go to VAR, and as soon as that went to VAR, he was off. Definitely, it's simple Definitely. as that. Because he doesn't. The other thing as well is, he doesn't have to catch Van Arnholt. The intent was there. Yeah. It was a stupid, petulant thing to do. It's a, it's a really daft way of getting sent off. Getting sent off. I don't. You know my views on VAR, but that was a red card in the current in the modern game. Simple as that. That was a red card, and and as Billy said afterwards, not only did he affect that result, it's arguably taken their playmaker out of the game for the next three games. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, in the final analysis, that that 
red card put three more points between us and and West Brom, and which even at this stage of the of the of the season is a very big gap. The gap between us and Sheffield United is fifteen points now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even the BBC is starting to think, well, maybe it is Chris Wilder's fault a little bit. Eleven games without a win, <laughs> you know. But and essentially, essentially, with with the goal difference, we're sixteen points ahead of Sheffield we're at Sheffield United already. Basically, yeah. we're a lot. We're, yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's the frustrating thing about those two poor results. We could have been in the top four comfortably. We'd have been joint top before Spurs played. Yeah, Arsenal. and then and then we would have exploded. I mean, we were getting carried Imagine. away. We were getting carried away yesterday. Imagine how carried away we'd get if we were top. <laughs> but yeah, the red, I don't think. I, I, I was. Still, I, I think we would have won that game. I, I, I absolutely think we would have won that game. But the red card made it easier. Of course, it did. Didn't it? Mm. But what made it easier for them as well was, which Billich also pointed out, was that he was furious with them because they basically stopped playing. They didn't know what to do after that. So you could see how upset their goalkeeper was when Zahar scored his, his first goal because their their plan had gone out the window. But then they didn't seem to know what to do there. There was no organisation, and that was because we were playing. We started playing so well. It's like as I say, we we picked them off. Well, they we looked like Pereira, an established player. Who obviously is their main sort of their main playmaker. Yeah. Bit like a wilf to them, you know. Yeah, defense, defensively, they'd only let one goal in in the last. I think the previous three games, yeah. they'd really tightened up at the back, but they didn't. They didn't know what to do. We looked like a proper Premier League team, and they didn't. And ten men or not, you know, we you can only play what's in front of you, and we played it really well. Indeed. Uh, it's quite nice to see Palace playing like a proper Premier League team. Uh, Jack, you were nodding <laughs> along there. I, I was thinking as Kevin was talking, it reminded me of those sort of soft, when players come head to head together and one of them sort yeah. of leans into it. And you think, well, obviously, like, in, you know, in a club or on the street, <laughs> not that I'm condoning it, but like, no, that would, no one would be calling <laughs> or, the police. But or have ever done it. The, of course not. On the mean streets of Eden Bridge. Um, but, but, um, on the you should football. try living in Bexhill, JD. You should try living down here, mate. It's an absolute nightmare. The, the old Bexhill kiss, as you just know. Yeah, the Bexhill kiss. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shocker. But on the football pitch, Jack, that is, as Kevin said, the intent is there, so you almost don't have to catch him. And It, it was it was a really interesting... Um, piece of commentary Don Goodman on Sky was you know initially talking about the the level of contact and then he basically just talked himself around of well, it's a red card because yeah. you know the intent is there and you know what's interesting and the, the point about VAR is is definitely the the one to focus on because Paul Tierney is refereeing the game he's seen that Van Arnold's coming a bit late he appreciates Pereira's going to be a bit annoyed and he did book Pereira despite giving the free kick so he's he's seen it he's given a yellow card and basically whether it's Michael Oliver or anyone sitting in the VAR chair they have to provide um, the intelligence to the referee on the pitch because technically that is a red card. So yeah. that's where the red card comes from. The referee on the pitch is, in terms of game management feels, you know, yellow card is, is proportionate for that. But in, in, in terms of the law, that is a red card. And, and Pereira knows that. And if Wilf did that or Jordan Ayew did that yeah. for us, you know, it would be the same thing. We'd have to sit there and go, well, it's not, it's not a red card by, you know, standards of, of yesteryear, but it's, as Kevin said, it's, it's the standard now. And, Michael Oliver wouldn't be doing his job yesterday if he had not alerted Paul Tierney yeah. to that. So I, I felt it was it was a red card. It was soft. I don't think PBA, but I saw the Jermaine Genus and Ian Wright comment. I, I thought that was a bit out of order, really. I didn't think PBA um, really did anything to alert the referee to it. He's been kicked in the stomach. He's made a noise and he's walked off. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think that was a bit unfair, but I won't get stuck into my anti-Jermaine Genius agenda that's for another day if you invite me back on again but, um, happily I'll yeah. t- I tell, yeah. tell you where we. I tell you where I think we did get lucky 
and that was MacArthur's yellow card because I was I was convinced that was going to get referred to VAR because yeah. I think I think on another day he might he might have been called back and got a red flag because there was a clear downward stamping motion. Yeah, on, that was on being that, that one. I thought that it was. I don't know if it was deliberate, but I, uh, there are. Yeah, if I was a West Brom fan, that's what I'd be feeling a little bit hard done by. That how, how, you know, Pereira sent off MacArthur. I presume they looked at it, and and also I, I think that that wasn't as clear cut, not a penalty as everyone seems to think it was as well. MacArthur's challenge into the back of Gallagher. Into the back of Gallagher. That, uh, on a yeah. again, it's another cliche to go with. Uh, you can only beat what's put in front of you. Um, yeah. But that's you, you've seen them given basically. Yeah. So I, I, I was fairly convinced that MacArthur might might walk for that one. Yeah, the penalty actually. I, I'd completely. I've not made a note about the penalty or MacArthur's challenge. Yeah, why not? We're on a positive podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did think at the time of the penalty. Oh, seen them given yeah. is exactly what I thought as yeah. well. But um, I mean, Gallagher's been cute. He's been cute, but he is pushing the back. And yeah, you know, MacArthur doesn't. You know, MacArthur's been around the block many times. He's seen many corners. So he's turned many corners. <laughs> so, in, in in terms of uh, in, in terms of the need to make that tackle with Gallagher looking towards the corner flag, it wasn't it wasn't necessary. And if that had led to a penalty, that would have been very frustrating. But yeah, yeah, I think I think players just need to wise up a little bit in terms of in terms of VAR. You've just got that additional set of eyes on it that have as long and as as many camera angles as they need to make a decision. So, you know, Pereira, silly boy, and MacArthur on a lucky on another day is also a silly boy, but. You know, you've got to hope Hodgson, who, you know, Roy has seen so many things change in football, he will be telling the, the players to be as wise as, as that. But, yeah, so, well, soft that, red, but definite red. It turns out, Enders, that VAR haven't got a camera along the touchline, so they can't see a ball that's 14, <laughs> yeah. yards, 14 yards out out of play for Man yeah. United's first goal. That was ridiculous, wasn't it? That was so oh, out of play. It's somebody, it in that, somebody in the VAR meeting is going, we, did, did nobody think of that? No, yeah. no, just occasionally? Ridiculous. I thought you were doing it, the touchline. I thought you were doing it. I just, but there was just one brilliant camera shot with David Moyes looking at the ball, and you could see he's looking out of the stadium, yeah. basically looking at him. It's like, I think that looks all right. It's fine. I just, I just think in terms of the... Um, the incident with the sending off, I think, you know, in the same way that uh, most defenders now realise that when they jump up for a ball, they have to have their arms down. Yeah. And, they've, and, they've, and they've learned over the years that that's what you've got to do now. Yeah. And I think, you know, players have got to learn that they can't push out like that. Look, I really don't think it should have been a red card. I mean, it is by the letter of the law. It's a very soft red. But I do think that players, as Jack rightly says, Players have got to wise up to this now. They really have got to because this is this is the game now, and they've got to learn in the same way that you when you defend a, a when you defend the ball in the area, you don't have your arms waving like a windmill. You know, you keep them down by your side, and it's just th- things that these players have got to learn. We've got to learn as fans to shout and ball even more than we normally do. Yeah, yeah. They've got to learn to. Um, <laughs> yeah. They've they've got to learn to not be not not to kick out in in anger. Even like some five-year-old kid on the Sunday yeah. morning. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's like Sacco's red card against against Bournemouth last season. Yeah, when it, there was no need for him to get himself sent off because, yeah, again, two seasons ago it wasn't a red card. Yeah, but with, it was a hundred percent red card last season, and he, he he knows that he was just showboating. He just wanted he wanted the the, the newsstand to see that he was a tough, rough defender. Yeah. And he didn't have I, to do that. Yeah, and I'm. I'm 
I'm not one of these fans who thinks, oh, it all evens itself out at the end of the season. I think that's bobbins. But what I do know is that there'll be a pod before the end of the season where we are moaning about a decision that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, because yeah, of yeah. VAR. So, yeah. yeah, because, well, that, uh, yeah, sorry. Go speaking on. of wising up, I think we're going to wise up now and take a break. Nice. Part one, part nice. two. Nice. <laughs> we're gonna, I was uh, hoping you'd go for a bobbins one. That's great. It's my fault. Yeah, I, I considered it couldn't. couldn't <laughs> Don't bring Jimmy Greenwood. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's take a quick break and join us after this. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Fabi Plan Podcast. Hey! hey. European tour. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored. I was going to ignore that. Uh, sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Uh, lots of questions this week. Let's try and rattle through as many as we can. Simon C. Hello, Simon. Simon. There's, he's combined a couple of themes here. Has Benteke turned the corner? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, uh, all I want to say to um, Mr. C is um, he's a good, he's a good, Ebenezer. Very good. Is oh, actually, there, reference. Is there an Eze song in there? There might be an Eze yeah. song in there. Is it? Uh, Eze good. Eze good. I'm more on the bandwagon for Eze Lover. By uh, Phil Collins and Phil nice, Bailey. That's why I'm nice. going. Oh, yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Very smooth. Yeah. Very, very smooth, smooth. Jack. Yeah. Uh, right, let's move on to Neil Peters. Hi, Neil. Hi, Neil. Hello, Neil. He says, is it peak typical Palace that we get our biggest ever top flight win away from home the week before we're all allowed back at Celeste? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's it, lads. That's yeah. it. Lock up the shop. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's say yes. And Jamie yes. Penston Raja. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Says, which is more of an overreaction? Those calling for Roy's head after the last game or those calling Benteke the Messiah after he finally scored two goals? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably the first. Yeah. The, the, probably, let's enjoy, as, as Ender says, let's enjoy the moment of yeah. Benteke. Yeah. But it, it didn't feel like an overreaction as the final whistle went on that dismal 2 0 defeat to Newcastle basically but again it's just we are over of course we're overreacting that's part of the joy of football somebody tweeted me yesterday just enjoy the overreacting have a day of overreacting and then then grow up a little bit and and just look forward to the Tottenham game basically (laughs) just get carried away for a bit last week not being at the game is difficult because you do all your overreacting at the game and then at the pub afterwards once you've got home you've kind of forgotten about it all but now it's all it all pours out on Twitter anyway and then it's there forever unless you go back and delete your tweets so it is 
we're we're living in a different existence, I think, at the moment. But um, obviously, next game, fans will be allowed back, so maybe things will change in that regard. Um, I mean, I don't, uh, JD, I don't know what you mean by it's you know a, a different different type of Sunday. I mean, I, every Sunday I normally look at air routes to Baku and uh, Airbnbs <laughs> in Brussels. Like you know, it's, it's a typical Sunday for me. I'm always doing that. Just ahead of the game, just in case. Anyone got a ticket for the Tottenham game, by the way? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I oh, do. congratulations! Well done, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Well done. At the time, at the time, I felt a bit disappointed, but now of course. I'm, yeah, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jack's going to hopefully record a few voice notes for us during the game, and I'll, I'll put them together as a little sort of audio package for next week's pod. Because um, be, I'm sure it'll be an interesting experience having been there with two thousand other people. Uh, basically, well, I've called like, it. I've, to, my mates and I have labelled it the Wimbledon experience. You know, going back to the days at <laughs> um, we had a few questions about the Roy Out Brigade. I'm going to sort of skim over them. A few people saying, well, you know, where are the Roy Out Brigade now and stuff. And, and I know that obviously from game to game, you know, people do react to stuff. So, but I won't infuriate the Roy Out Brigade with this one. But I've had a question here from Aidan Stevenson, 1960. Hi, Aiden. Hi, Aiden. Hello, says, Aiden. Who, who does one have to sleep with to get a question on air? The answer is Andy Street. After the <laughs> slaughtering Hodgson got these last few weeks, as a, a tactical genius, it is he as nice. a tactical Very genius. Very good. Once Very good. More. Um, <clears throat> aside from uh, the theme of that question, Kevin, I guess we are quick to criticise Roy when he gets it wrong and the Newcastle game, shut up front, we all admitted <coughs> that was a gamble that didn't work. I guess we have to then give him the same sort of praise when he gets it right and bring in Benteke in and that front well, four. What's the it, right it, thing this week? It, it was interesting because I, I like... I like to check the the BBC feed, the live feed after a game, just to go back and over the instant see how they report them. And the the guy, the BBC correspondent reporting live in a game, just ended his thing with saying, "I think Roy Hodgson is the most underrated manager in the Premier League." But again, he can't have done the Newcastle game basically because <laughs> it's it's just astonishing for a manager of Roy Hodgson's experience that we do have these streams of emotion because you would you would you would guess that somebody at Roy's end of his career would would kind of be beyond that it'd kind of be over that now it would, it would always be six seven out of ten rather than nine out of ten one week and three out of ten and it's, it's really interesting yesterday and sky focused quite a lot on it on how even like this just the stewards yesterday at west brom gave him a standing ovation when he he turned up and you could see that some of the coaching staff who were still there when he was around mm. he's obviously apart from at, at liverpool and and amongst the england fan club he's liked to the point of being revered at some clubs Fulham fans you know still he's still their, their idol their hero and quite rightly so so you know this is a this is a manager who's very good at his job but just in recent uh, well recent season and a half has just given us these extremes of emotion that you kind of maybe they've got his medication wrong in the home or something I don't know I, I don't know what wow. it is basically you know what it is Kev, wow. Kev, Kev I just think it's, a, it's just a, myself from those ages to I think what it is I think it's just like a, a, a lack of consistency isn't it I think that's what freaks yeah. people out I think you, you you expect your team to go through a really bad run of results for sort of seven or eight games or a good run or or a mediocre but we're just we really are up and down like a yo-yo you know well of course but I mean if we'd scored I was thinking this last night we, we've scored nine goals in the last four games which for Palace I mean that's brilliant yeah, it's unbelievable yeah, yeah. And, and if and if it had been sort of two and two and a half goals a game just today you'd go that's amazing it's brilliant but it's nine in two and none in two <laughs> which is a level of inconsistency that you're not yeah. used to at Palace exactly. I mean and, and I think it's the fact that as well again I was thinking I think it's because 
the the two highs recently have been so good the Leeds performance and the and the performance yesterday and because they're so good that's why you get so frustrated at the performances in between and Burnley wasn't a disaster I mean Burnley we we you know we were on the back foot right from the start when they scored early on but the Newcastle game was he got it wrong in all sorts of places and it's because you know how good a manager he is and how good we are when the the foot's taken off the handbrake so to speak that you get frustrated at those performances against Newcastle because Newcastle as far as I'm concerned are are probably slightly better than West Brom but not much Mm -hmm. and with the team that we've now got and we are building a really good team and a really strong squad Newcastle should have been there for the taking and that's like we just every now and again we take we revert back to old timey palace you know we revert back to let's start let's finish with the game with the point that we started with when you just want to see a bit more ambition and then when you when it's like you say when you see what how we can play it's frustrating when we don't do that all the time which is why i'll be really interested to see what the the approach is against yeah which would be a very different game to west brom which is you know a different game to newcastle nothing is guaranteed in the premier league even even the shit teams are good you know what I mean? To a, to a point. JD, I would, I would JD, have taken JD, it. Nothing's guaranteed in life, mate. Absolutely. Seriously. Thanks, seriously. Yeah. Take yeah. it from me. I've been around a lot longer than you. <laughs> yeah. I would have taken a point yesterday. Any, any point uh, away any in point. the Premier League is a good yeah. point. So yeah. I would have I taken think, the point before the game. I think for, for yesterday, credit goes to Roy for his team selection. I thought that was the right team to play that game, particularly given previous performances. No-brainer to put Wilf back in. Um, and Benteke had earned a chance from the start. I, I do wonder whether we would have been as free-flowing in the second half um, had we not scored the second as early on as we did. I think once we scored that, yeah, yeah. I think it opened up a bit. I think he was still quite cautious, even at 1-1, um, you know, until we scored that second. Thankfully, we scored it quite early, but um, I don't know. I still think he probably would have been quite cautious. I think I've, we've all seen us against 10 men. We're not brilliant, typically, against 10 men. It's one of the most frustrating elements of being a football fan, you know, um, watching your team with with a you know a man advantage and still not be able to to beat them but you know thankfully we got that early goal with a piece of magic from from Wilf um but no you know Roy could have then said no it's all right lads we'll still keep our shape but he he let the team express themselves you yep. know, he's seen so many games he probably knew that West Brom were there for the taking and mm. I think at times even when they were two or three goals down West Brom they didn't have a player in their own uh sorry outside their own half so you know there, it was attack versus defense for much of the second half and but credit to Roy for having the players on the pitch to actually make the most of that opportunity and um yeah, I, I, the, the anti-Roy brigade is an interesting one because I, you know, I've been very much of the opinion that it's better the devil you know. Um, I, I really worry for us when when Roy goes because of the issue with um, the appointment last time out when we had a chance to make, uh, you know, a considered appointment being um, Frank de Boer. So Roy is such a steady hand on the tiller in terms of meeting the number one objective of staying up. Um, I, do, I do worry what the alternative would be, but we'll have to face that sometime soon because um, unless medicine improves... Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, I got I got worried before the game yesterday, and also, I was, again, this uh, yeah, I'm I'm singing Roy's praises now, but when the the midfield two was released, and it was MacArthur and, and Milivojevic, I wasn't over the moon. I have to say, but I don't believe in omens. But I opened the door on my advent calendar yesterday. There's a picture of Eddie Howe behind it. <laughs> which uh, which I've really really worried me. So what sort of an advent calendar, advent calendar have you got? It's, it's a Bournemouth Bournemouth advent calendar. Though. Oh right, okay. <laughs> it's twenty four ex Bournemouth managers. <laughs> <laughs> As you were talking there, Jack, actually, I just realised the three subs that Roy made yesterday that he brought on were Ayu, Bashwai, and Yeah. Arguably the most attacking yeah. subs he's made <laughs> as a trio yeah. for a long time. So he certainly sort of took the game to them. And just on the on the the sort of theory of Palace being 
inconsistent or as Kevin says, super highs and then sort of super lows. Whereas maybe would we prefer, you know, more consistent one alls and two ones rather than these kind of results? Bridges eight seven two. Hi Bridges. Hi. Has Hi. Summed it up nicely. Hello, seven, eight, it two. feels like every performance is a roll of the dice. Is this typical Palace, or yeah. are we in the transition to greatness? <laughs> Which I was tempted to go for the title of this podcast, but I think I'll go with the yeah. Big Ben one. Um, let's wrap up then. I've just seen the time. Let's wrap up the questions. We've got we've got some questions on Wilf, but I feel like we've talked about Wilf yeah, and yeah, being a one-man yeah. team stuff before, and it will come around again, I'm sure. So quite simply, Seki Eagle, right, who is uh, Nathan, who lives in Australia, and I know it gets up very early for games, or very late, can't remember which one, um, says one word, Klein. And I think it's right to point out how yeah. amazing Klein has been. Yeah. Just it's been so well. Speaking of consistency, been so consistent recently. I mean... I'd, um, I, yeah, just brilliant. I'd, I'd forgotten how well he read an attack. I, I just... He, he's about as good a one-on-one defender as I as we could possibly have without paying anything for him. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> is he is he the same age as Joel Ward? He can't be far behind, can he? He's twenty-eight or twenty-nine. 28, he's, he's um he's thirty in April. Right, so he's I, actually he's, he's not even thirty yet. I, I wonder I wonder if he's because he's had such bad luck. I wonder if because he's missed so much football, he's actually that much fitter than he might have been anyway. But he brings us, and we talked about this so often, when we all we all love Joel as a defender. Mm. But how many times do we talk about the imbalance when you've got PVA bombing forward on one side <laughs> and Joel simply not able to do it on the other? And now we've got two fullbacks that are an attacking option because I, the, the more I think about the Klein deal, the more I think that's up there with Cahill as a, a fantastic yeah, bit of bit of business that you, that you couldn't, and great here, but you, it, a no-lose. And I, I, I'd be interested to see what happens when, when Ferguson's fit because at the moment I wouldn't I wouldn't meddle with the, the fullbacks. But There's no indication been, that Ferguson's going to be fit. For, for, I know, but it's but that's you know that'll be a brilliant bonus when he is. But I think Klein, I'd forgotten just how good a player he was when he was when he was younger, and he's a, he's strong as well. Yeah, yeah, it's been a superb bit of business. Really went under the radar when he signed as well. Absolutely, it's, um, yeah, yeah. It's been a great. It'll bit be of it'll be interesting if if he's offered a longer term deal, whether he suffers from the Marco Reich. Uh, illness, the uh, the undiagnosed illness of getting a contract and then falling off a cliff. But I, I would sign him up for at least yeah, the rest of this season. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would. Yeah. yeah. I can't I'd see imagine. how we do any better. And then I'd keep imagine. him away from cliffs. I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd Cliff imagine. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, let's wrap up. No, no, no. Like, there. Yeah. Um, also, can I point out that legally, you saying allegedly has no... But I didn't say... What crimes were committed? It's just, it's There's no crimes. There were, what exactly. crimes? There's no crimes committed. Allegedly, no crimes. Exactly. That's what I said. So, the amount of lawsuits I've seen have I got news for you simply because we bombed the word allegedly in after the... <laughs> All right. I might edit that. We'll see how lazy I am. Uh, right. Uh, thank you for your questions, everyone. Uh, please keep sending them in each week. Uh, after the break, we're going to preview Spurs at home. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey, European Tour. Europe, Europe, Europe. Part three is where we preview our next game. It's Spurs at home. And also, of course, we are sponsored, seamless, by Eternity Home Finance for a free nice. consultation on of anything course. to do with mortgages or yeah. property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Um, and speaking of homes, Jack... Our home is Sellers, and we will be there. This is clunky at best. We will be there. <laughs> you will be there next Sunday. First yes. time we, anyone's been back at Sellers since early March or yeah, early March, late mm. February, um, to watch a game. What you're one of the lucky sort of golden ticket winners. Uh, how are you feeling right now about going back to Sellers? Well, firstly, I've never actually been to a game. I've just bought lots of gnomes in the past. So I just feel honoured to have, uh, <laughs> have the number of points to go. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to be cautious, you know, due to family circumstance. My, my father is uh, on that list of of those that need to be more careful than others. So with with the festive season coming, I, you know, will be as as careful and as cautious as I possibly can be. But it will be lovely to walk back in and, and see and actually. I didn't think I would be that bothered by seeing fans back in the, the stadiums, but yeah. um, having seen it, it, it does look right. It looks, yeah, it, yeah. it's a nice sight to see fans back in, in stadiums. And I think players um, have enjoyed it. There was, I think a celebration, um, Olivier Giroud scored for Chelsea the other, the other evening and he celebrated with fans. And I, and I kind of realized that they haven't been doing that for the past, um, you know, nine months or however long they've been playing six months since they, since football returned. Um, and I just, it's going to offer a different dynamic and, um, you know, uh, provided everyone's safe and it's a, you know, s- secure environment. I, I think it's, um, I think it's a good thing and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Be interesting game as well. It's a good game yeah. for the first one that sell us to be. It's, it's almost, I mean, it's brilliant psychologically to see fans back in the ground, but it's, it was worth it just for Jeff Stelling going absolutely ballistic when he noticed that Watford fans were leaving the game early. They were 1-0 down to Cardiff. He just had a proper on-screen meltdown. Where are they going? They've waited six months to get back into a football ground and they're only 1-0 down. What's the matter with these people? There's 15,000 Watford fans that have loved it. It's just really very, very funny. I know. Um, Well, let's talk about the game itself. Obviously, home to Spurs, who are top of the table, I think. They they went back again. Yes, they are. So it won't be an easy game. We've had a question here from F7NP6. Hi, F7. I can only assume he's a robot or something. Hi. Um, who says, um, who starts up front against Spurs? Enders, I come to you. I mean, surely it's, it's got to be Benteke and Wilf. I, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to change the winning team. It's, Roy doesn't normally do that, does he? No. Um, I, I think it'll, it, it will be Benteke, yeah. I think it will be, and it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be a tough game. But at least we're going into a lot of confidence. Oh, but so are they. <laughs> but it's, I, I really don't think he would change the team at all to be honest it was really interesting hearing uh, Graham Souness and basically the pundits on, on radio and on uh, Match Today 2 as well saying that the Tottenham players like 
Harry Kane and Sun Young Min don't don't want to play that sort of football. Yeah, they 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 didn't get into the game to to defend and to to work hard in midfield, but it's working. They're winning games. So there's this there's this strange balancing act that Mourinho is pulling off between effective, not particularly attractive football, albeit they were brilliant breakaway goals. So as I said before, you've got two teams on on when we play them uh, Sunday. Is it Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, we've got two teams on Sunday who whose natural inclination at the moment isn't to go forward. So it's going to be an interesting game tactically, but I I I can't see him making any changes. At all, it, it might be that he thinks this is one of the games that Eze should sit out and watch for experience. I don't... Mm. You, After recent games... No, you know what Roy's like, though. If you, you know, sometimes it's West Brom is a very diff, different and difficult opposition to, to Spurs. I hope I hope he doesn't. And I, I hope that we, we actually try and, and play football against them. But the, the irony is that if we do that at home, which is unusual for us, my God, they've got the players to... I mean, Harry Harry Kane's passing is just astonishing. I mean, for all Son's finishing is magnificent. His passing mm. is just in the last two seasons. It's been great. So, but I, I suspect it might be quite quite a cagey a cagey game. And Mourinho has got a lot of respect for for Roy Hodgson. We know that we know that in the past. So, uh, these are famous last words. But I'm not expecting it to be a high scoring. I'll be more interested to see who he picks. Whether he sticks with the same two in midfield because I. I think you might need a bit more energy in there than... than I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think that's I, I where think the Redeval, change could come. Yeah, I think Riedeval needs to be in there, to be honest, because they've got a strong, physically strong, mobile midfield. And I don't think Luca and McArthur are necessarily the two to, to combat that, to be honest. I, I thought Luca had a decent game yesterday, but he will need to be another level up to, yeah. to combat. Because yeah. that's where Spurs transition. That's where Son yeah. really becomes a threat. Yeah. That kind of turn, you know, from the halfway, halfway line onwards. And it's that left channel. And if Luca's playing the right side of two in midfield, he will have to... Um, and listener, put your money on a booking within the first fifteen minutes. But he will have to. <laughs> he will have to play well. And I thought he did play well, even when it was eleven versus eleven yesterday. So I hope that that form continues. But Spurs' transition is just dynamite. We yeah. saw it twice yesterday, and um, you know that energy in midfield. It could be an argument that you maybe you know bring another centre half in and put Coyote back into midfield just to kind of have the extra um, energy and and defensive mindset that he he so cleverly has. Um, so it'd be it'd be an interesting one, but yeah, they are they're a good team and and they are resolute. If they go ahead, you know, you've got to do something special to yeah. to get back into the game. But I think as as Ender says, we've we've finally got two maybe three players now that can do something. Yeah, special definitely. and and I I hope he does pick Eze and I hope Eze is not intimidated by playing against the best opposition probably he's faced so far because yeah, I don't care how good their central defenders are when they're faced with Eze bearing down and with the ball magically attached to his feet it's going to make it really really difficult for them and I hope he gives gives Eze and Wilf that little bit of license that they had in the second half away to West Brom to, to buzz around to change position because that you know the, the best defences are going to struggle you know and, and that's what I thought Benteke to bring it right back to the start Benteke just kept their three centre-backs occupied all afternoon mm. they, to the extent that two of them at some stages were looking after Benteke which gave us so much more space up front to do stuff with so that I hope that Roy does give us that little bit of licence and I, I think if if we can if I, I think if Tottenham score first we'll, we will be in trouble but I think if we can score first I think we've got every chance of winning but I'm not ex- expecting a lot of goals I have to say 
No, well, it'll be a very interesting game. Um, Jack, enjoy the game, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing your. Uh, yeah, it must be so exciting. I I, just going to be so exciting seeing fans back at. Because I have to say, fair play to Chelsea fans the other night. They and Tottenham fans yesterday. They made a, they made a lot of noise. Yeah, even mm-hmm. with only two thousand. Even for only two thousand people. And I think so. Jack, where where are the fans sitting? Are they all in so one I've stand? Or al- yeah, well, I've been allocated a seat in the lower homestand, which is actually not too far from from my season ticket. So I'm quite pleased um, from that. But I understand it's. Uh, lower and upper Homesdale um, and I think Parrish is on TV saying uh, there might be some in the Whitehorse as well but certainly the Homesdale um, and certainly none in the Arthur Wake so, well that would um, be great I mean just uh, even if it's a thousand in the Homesdale that's going to be a lot of yeah. noise that's brilliant yeah, yeah. That's so really it's, it's really good and the club yeah. the process seems fairly you know, simple as well so hopefully it's not too much of a pain for fans actually do it and, and obviously there is the option for people to say no if they want to as well which yeah. is really yeah. which well, is really I'm inclusive to see in, yeah. how it goes so. well he's been Steve Parrish has been arguing for three months that Sellers Park is the safest environment it's much safer inside Sellers Park than, than outside and I was really impressed as well it was, it was interesting watching the NFL last night with the crowd shots because they started to allow fans back in there none of whom were wearing their masks whereas everybody the crowd shots at, at, at Tottenham and Chelsea all the fans were wearing their masks except well, when they took them off to cheer as part of your ticket, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah but they took they, you could see them taking their masks off to cheer but right. you know, in in America, yeah, they're just literally, just literally not bothering. Whereas our fans, you know, but it's it's you know, just, they didn't sit down either. That's good. So the stewards obviously took a decision. As long as they got the masks on, they could do what they want. There's plenty of room. That's fine. Right. And the good thing is, we weren't Millwall fans, which was yeah, shocking. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Nearly mentioned that earlier. I thought that always just, needs the whole pod to itself. Uh, so um, I just feel so sorry for the vast majority of decent. Yeah, Millwall fans. The, the the stuff the Millwall does in the community is just they do brilliant work yeah. in the community. That club. Yeah, but this happens again. Just, with, this happens again and again with Millwall. With you, these, just, you just yeah. need. I think John Curran needs to take an anthropological view to work out why they can't get rid of this stubborn yeah. throwback element in their in their fan base. Well, indeed, bit of a weird note to end the pod on. But well, don't let's, let's end um, with the fact that our fans are better and our fans will. <laughs> not behave like that there you go indisputable um, anyway look Jack thanks for joining us solid debut on the pod thank you very much thank, thank you yes hope oh, that more than solid yeah thank you hope you get a 6 out of 10 take a 6 out of 10 in tomorrow's papers yeah that'd be a 7 7.5 I'd say you know you know the journalists allocate the numbers before before the game yeah and they would just change one or two if somebody has a really good game they'll add one on if it's a bad game they'll take one off and that's why you and Enders are consistently sold 5.5 unbelievable unbelievable you're getting really defiant disagreeing with me last week it was very brave at the end of a Zoom call weren't you wait wait till everyone's back in my dining room see how brave you are then (laughs) (laughs) right Enders and Kevin thank you again for joining us thank you very much Jack Uh, and we'll be back next week after the Spurs game Uh, obviously the post-match call will be available to patrons so look out for that Uh, and that's it thanks very much for listening enjoy the rest of your week see you again soon bye bye bye
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Sports Social Podcast Network.